Welcome to Living the Authentic Life. I am here with one of my friends, Gretchen Gilliam, and she is a former guest whose podcast we never got to run <laughs> because we filmed it just before Rodeo Houston closed. Exactly. A few was that two years ago? It was two years ago. I mean, remember we filmed it and it was on a Wednesday. And the minute we walked out, that's when our phones were blowing up. They've canceled rodeo. And it, it was, just... was devastating. And for those of you watching who don't live in Houston, Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is an institution. It is like Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Right. It The city changes for a few weeks and we all become cowgirls and cowboys, which I think now is more popular than ever with Yellowstone. Oh, I think so too. And no telling what kind of outfits we're going to see. You know, the Beth t-shirts and things oh like that. Oh my God, she's my <laughs> idol. I freaking love Beth. And then uh, don't make me take you to the train station. I oh, love that one oh, too. Oh, I'm sure we're going to see some t-shirts with that on. <laughs> exactly. And then have you been watching 1883? In fact, I'm watching more of 1883 than Ye Yellowstone right now. It is, oh, and sweetie. here's Grace Kelly. She's Grace coming to visit. To visit. So, if sweet. you guys have not watched 1883, I think it's like I'm a Sex in the City girl. That's my right. ringtone on my phone, and right. it's the complete opposite. But I think it's the most moving TV show I've ever watched right. because it's about the grit and tenacity of the pioneers, right. and I think that's what rodeo kind of brings us back to. It's like our roots. Yes. Is that we are farmers and we are livestock and we are about <laughs> listen i'm used to animals oh my god someone <laughs> needs to call grace kelly away from the set she's still in the show on the podcast today help no, um, she's totally cool um but uh so i grew up out in fort bend county and we See, had, that's where i am now you are sure yeah i love we're it in fort bend county maybe. i lived in quail valley so okay. we lived on yep. a golf course right but we were either playing golf or we were going to somebody's land to hang out and listen to country music right and maybe drink beer oh no no <laughs> way no drinking beer <laughs> I don't think you did that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't no. have done that. Other, the others did that. Exactly. exactly. Okay, so tell, okay, you started, well, your background, you actually have a job too, and other right. than just volunteering, right. just right. volunteering 24-7 right. for the rodeo. Right. You have a property management company, and it's your family business. Well, I'll have to say that that's what we grew up in, in property management. Uh -huh. But then about three years ago, we basically sold all of our properties oh, okay. and my father had passed away and I was the one that was running the company. It was just kind of made the decision. This might be the right time. And thank goodness we did it before COVID because otherwise I would have been stuck with a bunch of properties with no one wanting to pay rent. So it's kind of, I mean, we just lucked out, but that's how I saw the writing on the wall and I thought I have to do something else after 30 years in commercial real estate. And that's how I started the Glamour Gypsy bus. Oh my God. Yeah, and so I had a total lifestyle change, totally, you know, at over 50 years old, totally changing everything that I knew. And it was kind of nail biting, but I've had the most fun in my life doing this, doing what I'm doing right now. So when I told you about the podcast, I sent you this um, overview kind of of what we talk about. And one of the things that I've discovered is this term called Ikigai. And it's when you figure out what you love yeah. and what the world needs and what you can get paid to do 
then you're able to do it basically all the time. Right. And it seems like your work, your charity, your mm -hmm. living life, everything is just so intertwined between who you've met through commercial real estate and then how you, then it's brought about The Hive, yes. which is another incredible, I mean, collaboration and connection, I think is, the word connection is the, a, that's a great word. That's what we discovered the most during the pandemic is we mm -hmm. wanted to be connected and these people wanted, um, these women who were running businesses either online, they couldn't afford to or have the time right, to right. have a space and have employees and then you created this incredible collaboration. Tell us about how that translated. Well, this is this has been it's been wonderful. It's absolutely more than what I could ever expect um, from anything I've ever done, other than my volunteer work. I love that. But um, so we had this old RV that was sitting out in the driveway out in Fulcher, and it was just kind of going to rust. And I kept looking at it even before we decided to sell the commercial real estate business. What did I want to do with that? And I decided to make it a fashion truck. And people thought I was crazy. They said, you're gonna tear out an RV, take out everything, and what is a fashion truck? And, um, but you know, t uh, doing pot, you know, listening to podcasts like this one, and um, just going to different markets and seeing things and seeing things all over, I said, this is what I'm gonna do. And I studied it for three years. You know, I read everything I could, I listened to everything I could. Um, and you know, you can learn and you can read and everything else. It, it is until you jump into it and then you realize, I don't really know a lot of things. And I just took off to LA to my first market and um, started buying things. And that was really fun. That the buying be, side's fun. The buying side's the really- the selling fit and the cash flow when you're it's like- the cash flow. Uh, and then you sit there and you're at market thinking, is I like this, but is anyone else gonna like that? And um, so that's how that kind of evolved. And next thing you know, I'm in the truck driving it around to different markets and everything else until I did my first summer. And that was so hot, parking the, the truck out on parking lots at festivals Ugh. and stuff. And it's a lot of work, you know, hauling things off the truck, onto the truck, um, you know, just all I, that. I call it professional schlepping. It is, and I would be in that truck sweating and closing all the windows and everything and doing wet wipes with them, a little hair dryer fixing my hair back up because so nobody would see it. That you're dripping wet, I'm exhausted. Dripping wet. Yes, and so did that for about two years and then I got in with a group um, that was doing a pop-up in a storefront over there at City Center. And all of a sudden I found, this is great. I don't have to drive that truck anymore waiting it for it to conk out or run, an, run yes. over somebody. And so went over there to the city center location and now I had a place that was a brick and mortar mm -hmm. and um, that was a, under someone else and it was a um, month to month and they lost their lease there. And then, but while we were in there, I met some of the ladies that are now at the Hive. And so Dulcie David's my partner right now and she, um, she was there and we started talking because we knew that we couldn't stay there and we looked at each other and we said um you know we can do this 
Diane, in one month, we sat down there. Here's two women. I mean, talk about United States. Gives you a lot of opportunities. Yes. We came up with the name The Hive because we've always liked, um, you know, the bees and what bees do in a hive and how everybody's got their little job to make the hive um, um, work. And we got our LLC, got our name, found another lease. Um, you know, set up every bank accounts, you know, everything that you have to do that people don't think about when you start. We did it in a month. Which is incredible. Yeah, and then we started calling people that we were in with this group and other people that we had met at different markets, and it just ended up it's all women, except right now we do have one man, and that's Dulcie's husband. But um, <laughs> I mean, it's funny, the women are more the entrepreneurs when it comes to this type of thing. Yes. So, um, yeah, the hive is wonderful. There's 15 of us and at the moment, and we all bring in our expertise and we learn from each other. And it's, you know, everyone has a little, um, we've got a couple of ladies that do jewelry, but all their jewelry looks differently and yes. clothing and stuff. But I tell you what, this has been the most wonderful experience being around entrepreneurs and we support each other and we learn from each other. And, um, and so that's kind of where I am now. And I, I think it's, my brain's exploding with so many different things. <laughs> I think a big part of it is people dream of having their own business. And I know when I started the Vintage Contessa, mm -hmm. so I too spent tw uh, 22 years for me working with the family business, Marvel and Granite, before I became the Vintage Contessa. Right. And this was my side hustle. And most people <laughs> I talk to that run successful businesses have done other things too. I mean, you even said you were a bookkeeper. I remember yes. in college, I was worked at Mama's Pizza. Yes. And I sold ads at the battalion, uh, <laughs> um, our school newspaper. So there's so many different things that add to the journey, but you just don't get to this place where you're owning and running a business. Like you learn through all these different things and have, and had I, gone and gotten the place I wanted and finish it out the way yeah. I wanted because luxury I wanted it to, I would have failed. I would have had too much oh, yeah. overhead. I would have had too many employees. I, I would have been chained to my desk and not been able to be a mom. And right yes. now, like um, the fact that I'm in business with my husband and we have this great team, I'm able to go be a mom. And you're like it's the balance part it's of it, totally and that's balance, what yeah. people sometimes forget, and that's I think why so many boutiques and so many restaurants fail is you don't think about all in the downtime, yes. and then when everybody leaves for the summer, or it's not exactly. just Christmas every month that you're having this revenue stream. And I think you you got it. One of the things we I think we all struggle with is um, especially with new people coming in and change. You know, it might sound like a fun hobby to do. You know, have your own like little business. Yes. Oh, it'll be such a great. It'll be fun and fun, fun, and it all looks fun. But it's also a business, and you have to take it seriously, and um, and you have to get in that mindset. When does your hobby really become a business? And you can do it, but you have to change that mindset because there is just like you said, there's a lot of stuff that happens. With, you know what we call the back office. I mean, no one sees me at 12 o'clock midnight in my pajamas steaming clothes, you know, and tagging things and doing inventory and trying to figure out what I'm going to sell this for. And then, um, I mean, it is a, it's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun. 
and I think all of us at the Hive are, is ha we're having a lot of fun with this too. And we, like I said, we have that support. I think it would be very hard for me to have my own boutique all by myself, you know, with paid employees. And I just, I think women that do that or people that do that are just amazing. But I've got 15 people that we share the hive with. And we feel like they're all, we call them showroom partners. And we feel like they all own a piece of this. And um, I'm just as happy, and I know they are selling a piece of my brand as I am selling a piece of their brand. Because it's the good of the whole. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the hive, you know. It's, it's the, the hive, it's the, the hive. one thing helps the other. And so how is that, I know um, with um, COVID especially, like it's been hard for us to get our team here oh. at the office together. Yes. We, um, our office, Rob's office manager of 20 years retired. Yes. And I think we've had four or five different office managers and now yeah. Wendy's here and she's just a godsend and came from the industry. But <laughs> to get the right group of people together and the right personalities. Exactly. So how has that worked? Because everybody has a different style, yes. a different personality. How does that work with people working together? Well, we've been really lucky, at, um, but we just had, we had a group meeting the other day. And uh -huh. one of the things that we said is, you know, we're coming in um, as a group we come from different backgrounds, different ages, different religions, different politics, different everything that you can think of. And, um, you know, we've all got our different styles. So, and you have, when you come into our store or when we're the gayer, we kind of have to put it all together. And remember, like you said, we're there, we're there for the store and, um, and it's all for one, one for all. Even if we not, might not agree on certain things. We, I mean, if the hive were, were really good, it's not like we have anything going on there or anything. But, you know. Um, but I think even for marriage, it's hard. Like, it's Rob hard, and I have hard. different personalities. Yeah. And I would get upset with him that he would want to let something go. And he would get upset yeah. with me that I would be intense. But yet, that's the, the our greatest our greatest um, quality is our worst quality sometimes. Right, right. So, like, figuring that out, too. I think is one of the biggest challenges of business. So well, and I think with Dulcie and I, because we're the so-called managers of the hive. Yes, um, you're the parents. We're the for parents. the care all the kids. We're the parents. <laughs> and, and, my uh, brother's hitting me. So far, we haven't had that many timeouts. But, uh, exactly. No, but it's, it's um, and those are some of the things that are a little bit of challenges, and even it. You know, and there's the challenges of not even within the hive, but the things that we can't do much about. We opened up the hive on Rice Village. We'd had mm -hmm. our month the month over in the River Oaks area, and then um, that was because because of COVID that had to close down. And we'd been on a month to month, so it kind of like worked out for us. But yes. um, we opened this one in in July of 2020. So we are the wild and crazy girls that got together and opened up a store. Gives me chills. Yeah. When you, who knew what was gonna happen next? Yes, but we, we found that people wanted the experience of and coming. And they wanna be with people. They and they wanna support. And they wanna people. touch the clothes. They wanna see stuff. And we we all kinda went back to our homes and did, um, when we couldn't leave, did, did um, Facebook Lives and then we do yeah. chats just to kind of keep our brand out there. So and, good. you know, wine, Wednesday wind down, you know, and I would interview, you know, different different members of I our hive it. and we'd have fun and stuff like that. But we really probably weren't selling a lot of things. And that was, um, but at least we kept it out and we found this really cute place on Rice Boulevard and we called the girls. We said, y'all ready? Can, can we 
you know, gather up the troops and do it, and we did. And it was a little, and we signed a three-year lease, so it was a little bit risky, but. Um, oh my gosh, that is a, a big commitment, especially during COVID. It was. I mean, we, um, we live in Wright, and we live in Westview, and so we, that's such a walking area, mm -hmm. and that's such like this old school way of connecting with people and yes. shop owners, it's really special. So, um, going back to, um, I was on a rodeo committee back yes, in the day. Yes. I was on lamb auction. I think yes. now it's lamb and goat. Lamb and and Michelle Iverson is their incredible love her. leader. And we were at A&M at the same yes. time. So love her. Um, but I remember as a young girl, my dad would go to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo and buy animals from the auction. And as a girl, I wanted to be a steer starlet, and you were a steer starlet. <laughs> so tell people out there what a steer starlet, starlet. even is. Well, this is funny <laughs> because my father uh, was chairman of the of the of steer the auction steer. back oh, in the day. That was got... probably the late '80s or something. Yep. And the steer auction was men. They it was not, all it men. It was all men. Yep. Macho men, you know, we're the steer auction. And, but they didn't really have anyone to be the hostesses of, of all their steer auction hide party. And uh -huh. to even go up there and give the flowers out when someone bought the grand champion. They needed, yes. some, they needed some pretty there, I think. And so dad said, why don't you round up a couple of your friends? And um, he named it Steer Starlets. And um, that was, like I said, probably uh. in the late 80s or whatever. And so we got a group of girls together. And, um, and we were like the hostess committee. And then the next year or two, we, we kind of got together and we said, you know what, as a group, we can buy a steer. And I, I'm, maybe a steer was 1500 at the time. So we decided that to raise money, we were gonna start bowling for beef. And it was one of the so first times good. that people, or different committees had really mm -hmm. started doing fundraisers. I think they'd done like a lot of that on the GoTex and things and stuff. So we, but we weren't really on the committee yet. So we oh, were you just, weren't getting a badge. We weren't getting a badge yet because it was oh. still all men. So in some ways that was really good because we could go out there and do things. Whatever you wanted. Because you didn't have to get it approved. <laughs> yes. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love that. Yes, that is exactly right. <laughs> Maybe so, we've done that in our life before. <laughs> so in some ways it was kind of a good thing we weren't officially yes. on the committee at that time and so we started bowling for beef and that thing just took off and like crazy crazy when we would get teams together and we'd go to local bowling alleys and you know the it teams, was such a social it was, event it was, it was so like are you getting invited to bowling for beef yes. i mean i think i looked at you guys like you were the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders of Houston. We were a little bit. We and everybody was beautiful. Exactly. Rodeo, but, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it was really fun. And I remember one of my friends coming and say, well, we need to do a silent auction. And here we're like all like 25, 26 or whatever. Uh -huh. and it wasn't like, I didn't even know what a silent auction You're was. Like, what? It wasn't like I was going to big galas. Right. And I said, okay, well, let's try this. I have no idea what a silent auction is. And next thing you know, everybody's bringing in, you know, silent auction things. And that got to be a big hit. Uh -huh. And so, um, so that's how that started. And finally they said, okay, I think it's time to let these girls be on the committee. And so. So when was that? Oh gosh. Late 80s or early 90s? That was probably early 90s. Yep. And so that's that, when I was on lamb auction. That yes. was, and we'd always have the lamb auction people come out and they'd yep. wear like little lamb things on their heads exactly. and stuff. So that rolled in and a lot of those ladies that um, I started uh, with um, Steer Starlets now were on 
now we've moved trailblazers. on trailblazers and international committee and yes. things like that so so it's how it's kind of evolved but um, and the trailblazers luncheon yeah. is the kickoff for rodeo it really has turned into that yeah and i was able to go and i believe there were over three thousand people there 3200 like the biggest group well, i think ever. it was closer to 1800 but okay. it sure seemed like it was, i mean it was crazy it was incredible and so what they see did, in texas we always exaggerate always, a little bit well we could keep it seemed like it was three thousand it could have been but we um did you walk the runway i walked the run runway is a past honoree yes and um but that so is, tell people what that even means okay well the the trailblazer committee one of the many functions of the trailblazer committee is to honor trailblazing women out at the rodeo and what's really cool about it it's a super secret committee that meets to vote on who's going to be the honoree this year and, oh. uh, and it's really good because a lot of women get to be honorees that are really hard workers behind the scenes but maybe not maybe might not be the ones going oh look at me all right. the time so you yes. find some really good deserving yep. women that their hearts in the right place that they're doing it Love for the rodeo that. and they're not doing it because they they want the limelight so that's really fun and so um every year we've done this and we've had you know one of the big sacks tootsies or whatever do the fashion yes. show and now that it's involved until after the show we have the marketplace so people yes. shop all day and then after after the luncheon and the fashion show and the honorees walking down that runway um then we have the after party and this year it was um the theme was the beverly hills um rodeo drive rodeo drive in rodeo to rodeo houston so they had the polo lounge two story two floors down at the hill at the hilton and that went on till like six o'clock. Wow. So it is, it's definitely a cook-off. We couldn't do it last year, so we had 10 um, honorees walk the runway, the five from last year and the five from this year. And then that really cooks, um, kicks off. But one of the things I'm really proud of of the uh, Trailblazers is we've started this um, literacy initiative. And I didn't even know about that till I read your oh, bio. That's uh, really cool. And I want to donate books for that. Anytime, because, yeah. Um, Bella and I wrote a children's book. And then last week, Zane, Zane Carruth yes. was our guest yes. in her children's book. Yes. And um, it's, uh, so let's talk about the kids with okay. the rodeo. Because yes. we always say it's for the kids. It is for And what does kids. that mean? Yes. Um, well, it's also, well, basically, you know, the rodeo is all about um, scholarships and education and, and keeping the heritage of the mm -hmm. cowboys and everything. And I think a lot of us that have been involved at the rodeo for a really long time, like I have, um, sometimes I go out there and I have to step back and look at the people coming through the rodeo, the families, the, the kids in the strollers, you know, I've been doing this for years. It's like family and I, I get to go up to the director's club and all yes. that other stuff. But really you almost have to step back and think this rodeo is put on for the people of Houston to come and have a pretty inexpensive, you know, time. And, um, if it wasn't for our volunteers, and the people that put on this rodeo, I mean, the tickets are just very inexpensive for what you get. And it really allows um, families to come out to the rodeo and go to the rodeo and see a good entertainer and go to the fair and see the animals and learn about everything out there. I mean, very inexpensively. And let's and talk about a, the animals. Like, yes. what does it mean to raise an animal to um, be... <laughs> Like those steers. Those steers. So um, I've always been really close to the steer auction, but there's, um, and that's the one that you see that's 
they'll, you know, the big, great big steers walking through and they can barely walk and they're all fluffy and everything. So they have that steer auction. They have another one that I don't think gets the limelight of, as much that's really cool um, is the Junior Commercial Steer. Have you ever heard of that one? No. Okay, so that one's really neat. Um, and the kids that show the steers there, they're really like range steers. They're not really the great big pretty big ones that walk through that are just amazing looking. These are absolutely range steers. So they they get the kids to really act like and be ranchers. And they raise these steers, come in, not only do they sell them at auction, um, but they also go through interviews. And I've been, I'm not on that committee, so I don't know 100% everything about mm -hmm. it, but I've been lucky enough to sit in on the interviews. and. Uh, committee volunteers will be sitting at tables and these FFA students are, you know, 4-H. Future Farmers of America. Yes. They come in and they have to talk to us and tell us about um, how they've raised, what kind of feed, how much does it cost, what kind of grass and are And these you kids, using. like, literally get up in the morning before school, yes. go yes. feed their animal, yes. walk it, clean out their stall. Before like they it, go to school, Before yeah. they go to school, yeah. then after, I'm like, it is truly a time commitment, and it is a great way for kids to learn responsibility exactly. for something other than themselves. It's, and it becomes life-changing. It's life-changing, and then, um, and they learn, once again, this is a business, and these kids are learning how to go talk to bankers, how to get a loan, how to, all this stuff that... Because some of the kids are even given scholarships to buy the animal initially to be able to raise it, to take it to auction. Right. And then last year, even though we didn't have the rodeo, we gave away millions of dollars of in scholarships. And it's not just to kids who are farmers oh, and yeah, who yeah. are going. So even Danette that works here with yeah. us, she received a rodeo scholarship mm -hmm. for a part of her college. And there's um, we have the art auction. The art auction. A is lot of these so kids incredible. are just, um, I mean, the art that they do, and so that's. I think that's been really a neat thing because it's kind of gotten a little bit away from um, a lot of these kids aren't growing up with a cow or a chicken or. But right, they the live art, in the city they, somewhere. Yes, exactly. Um, that um, they don't have that opportunity. So um, you've. Tell us about this literacy program. Let's talk a little bit okay. more about that. I love the literacy program. So we started that a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, and it's called Ro Rodeo Ropes. Reading opens the path to education success. And, um, and it's funny because the rodeo is all about education, but we hadn't touched on literacy yet. And the Trailblazer so Committee cool. had a opportunity to jump in on this. So we started, we kind of teamed up with a local group called Books Between Kids, uh -huh. and they have a big warehouse. They have all the um, the logistics and the infrastructure for this, but we started using our committee to go out there and, and, and get um, gently loved, as we say, which is used, um, our new children's We're books. all about gently loved around here, girl. Oh, that's right. <laughs> around here. You're living in gently, gently loved. Love. We don't use use. It's gently loved. Yes, pre-owned. Uh, pre-owned, gently loved. <laughs> so we started this, and we started going to the different committees out uh -huh. of the rodeo and saying we're collecting books for our Rodeo Ropes program, and these committees stepped up. And next thing you know, you've got the Livestock Committee 
um, challenging the Breeders Greeters Committee to see how many books and and because um, everything's a competition uh, in the rodeo. We had, <laughs> the first year was the year that I was chairman, so we had no idea what to expect. And uh, my officer in charge, Charlene Wilkovic, has been very involved in that too. Oh, and we I love Charlene. Uh -huh. And we would go out there, and uh, and they like the livestock committee would come in and they go, you'd need some more boxes. We've got, it was the men, the men on these committees stepped oh. up really big. You would think it would be women. Yes. Oh my gosh, the men stepped up. And next thing you know, some guy would be coming in with his pickup truck full of boxes oh my God, of books. Oh that may have chills. And we would look at it and Charlie, you know, it's like, we're gonna need more boxes. We're and gonna need a bigger boat. We're gonna need a bigger <laughs> boat. And we had no idea how wonderful this was gonna be. And then once we get all the books, um, you know, we need to count them so we could go back and tell um, Books Between Kids how many books we're bringing in. And also, because like I said, these, these different yeah. committees started challenging each other. and. And like which committee is going to win? We just did um, carnival ticket sales the other night. I think they turned in like eight thousand books or something crazy. And so then oh. all of us trailblazer ladies go over to the Books Between Kids warehouse, and we all um, go through the books. And we have to figure out: is this fiction, nonfiction? Is it is it good for a you know what, a three group. exactly? Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, that brought our committee a lot closer because when you start. Sometimes on committees, you only see these people certain times during the year. Well, during, right. during this, we're over there at the warehouse starting in September, say, and that got us all to really know each other because all of a sudden so I'm good. sitting here looking at books and sorting books with you yeah, and learning getting about to know, your, getting yes. to know you, and our, our committee got really tight. And then this past year, we started um, a whole nother thing along with the book collection where we're doing reading um read-alongs at the show. We just mm -hmm. had our first one at the Top Hands Rodeo this Saturday. And Top Hands is a rodeo for special needs adults and mm -hmm. children. So we had, we kind of tested it out there for the first time and that's fun. But we're going to do read-alongs um, where we sit there and read the kids at the rodeo. Awesome. Then we've also started a um, a writing competition and we did our first writing competition last year during COVID and that's open to second graders and so giving awesome. we'll give them the um you know what they like most about Texas was I think last Good, year and yes. stuff it was so funny uh, and I'm one of the judges kind of reading everything you won't believe how many kids said they love the food it's about Texas we, uh, I love barbecue. I love barbecue every way. <laughs> so we so started cute. that, and that's statewide. So we need to get the word out on that. Um, awesome. You know, so that's open to wherever. And uh, in fact, some some little girl from Fulcher, where I live, won it last year. So, so it's just um, it's just amazing what you can kind of build on, and it fits right in with the rodeos um, education, this literacy, and. Um, I, I just think we're giving it, there's so many kids and we learn so much about it in that. I mean, really, if kids don't start to read and, uh -huh. and love reading by fifth grade, you've lost them. I mean, you really oh, have yeah. lost them. So um, it's just another another area where I think the rodeo is touching on. So amazing. Okay, how many volunteers are there in the rodeo? Oh, I knew you were going to ask this question. 20-something? Oh, uh, there's more. I think we're Thousand? getting, no, there's 36. Don't quote me here, but 36, 38, there's a lot. And it's not just Houstonians. Some people come in town oh. to volunteer. Oh, yes. It's crazy. We um, People will spend, will come in and use their two-week vacation at work. They might be from Louisiana or, 
um, one of our honorees lives out in Nevada, I think, and, um, or oh, somewhere in wow. New Mexico or something like that. But people will come to town just to do their volunteer hours because they love it so much. And That's it's their family, so they've got their rodeo family. So let's talk about if you want to get involved in the rodeo, like what are the kind of, what's the journey? The journey, well, it's so funny. I've had two people um, contact me in the past two weeks. Okay, really? rodeo's here. I want to get on a committee. You're like, a little, like too little, little, little too little, a little too late. late. I, don't, I think what people don't realize is that when you're on a committee, um, you know, Trailblazers, we had our first meeting in September. And yeah. we already we already had we already had our new members selected by then. So right. you can't wait till two weeks before the rodeo to start. So what I tell everyone, um, after April, starting on May 1st, mm -hmm. you, you need to get on RodeoHouston.com and at least become a member of the rodeo. And then once you become a member of the rodeo, you can go to How to Volunteer, and there's a drop-down, and there's all these different committees with, like, little mm -hmm. um, information about them. And, um, and get your name on the list. And... You know, one of the, um, in fact, he's my brother-in-law. <laughs> he wanted, he's one of the ones that wanted to get on a committee this late. And, um, and so I've taken him out to the rodeo. I think he'd be a good fit, say, for international. So I'm going to mm -hmm. take him out to the rodeo um, the second Monday and show him the international room. So I think that if you want to be on a committee, and especially if you don't know anything about it, just get out there and kind of and, um, educate yourself because you want to get on a committee that you're interested in because it is volunteer hours. And mm -hmm. I hate to call it work. But you need to be committed to it. It's it's not something I'm just going to get on a committee and not show up because we count on every single one of our volunteers. So I remember the most challenging rookie duty task that I had to do was um, it was back when the SIFT was out in Fort Bend County. Yes. And the SIFT is where they're, I guess they're, and maybe I'm not describing this right. So forgive me, rodeo people. <laughs> but the, the kids are out there finding if they can actually go to the rodeo. Mm -hmm. So they're being judged and only the best ones get to go on. And then those that don't go on, they have to lead their animals to the slaughter truck. So you've raised this animal yes. and loved it. Yes. But we, I mean, this is about ranching. This is right. about... And so I was there with the kids who didn't win and were taking their kids to the slaughter truck. And I still remember that, but it was such a part of life. And I think we all, um, and no offense to people that don't um, believe in eating meat, but I just have grown up with hunting and fishing and mm -hmm. whatever you kill, you eat. And we're beef eaters and yeah. that's part of our journey and so that's part of the journey of raising the animal it too. Is, yeah. So tell a little bit about why that's, do you know why that's the choice? Like you can't buy an animal at auction and let it live, right? Well, um, the Houston Rodeo is a terminal rodeo. I mean, it's Oh, like there's it, a term it, for it. It's, I think that's a term, please forgive me if I've got it wrong, but it is the end of the line uh -huh. um, for especially steers and um, you know, the lamb and goats. I mean, these aren't mm -hmm. mama goats, you know, that, that could have a life being, um, mm -hmm. you know, a mama. These are animals that were that raised for raised for me. For food, and, yes. Um, and I remember the lamb and goat, they always would give out those little fluffy lambs to the little kids. And you get some of them that are just bawling and it's horrible. Yes, you're like, oh. And then you have some of them that's like, I am so glad. I've I can't. Done, I, I've done I've my done job, my and I am passing it and on. I'm passing it on, and I'm going to use my money to go to Texas Tech or 
Texas A&M or whatever, and, um, or they roll it over. They could be an eight-year-old, and they roll it over and um, use that money to buy a new animal or something. So it's tough this past year when rodeos got uh -huh. shut down, especially some of the ones that were more like this Montgomery County Fair or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, people were needing to sell their animals. And they they never even made it. Oh, to, they never there even, wasn't a rodeo. There wasn't one, and so they never even made it I didn't to Houston even Rodeo. Think about so that. we adopted a couple of them. So I've got at our place. We've got a couple of them that um, that I tell them That's every day. Right. They need to what be did those nice kids to me. Do I mean they got yeah. the scholarship, but they didn't have the experience. Yes, well they had the experience, but they also didn't get. Well, they didn't even get this. Like they might be coming through lamb and goat. But they were coming through Montgomery County because that's, I just say Montgomery County because that's where we've got some of our sheep. Uh huh. But they never even got the chance to even go further. But they needed to sell their animal instead of selling it to, you know, to get on the truck. You know, I know I wasn't the only one that reached out and said, I'll take your animal and give it a nice home. And we could because it never even got to, we, it never even got to the rodeo. Okay. So we, we so saved some of those. Um, sheep and goats and everything and so they're, they're living the, they're living their best they're living life. The, their best life they have so no i have a, a great story about that my nephew uh raised a hog a pig yeah and my father bought it and we put it on the ranch and boy do those things multiply <laughs> and they rutted out the road so fast <laughs> So then we were like, oh, my God, yeah. what have we done? Yeah. And it was kind of a nightmare. See, um, my daughter's always like, go, you know, you see all these cute pig things. On, and you're like, on, nope, they're not so cute when they no. get all big. I don't know anything about pigs, though, and I think you need to have, like, mud oh, and stuff for them. And so that's the one thing oh, you no, don't Oh, no, they have. were all rutting out the roads, and yes. it was not good. No. For, uh, no. No. So... Um, yes, but we'll move <laughs> on from that. Okay, but there's this tier and hierarchy in the rodeo right. that is kind of like, I think of it like the military. I mean, I, <laughs> um, I'm i an Aggie, so yeah. I appreciate the military especially, but I, um, so you become a member and then you become, is it first captain? I think well, I was I think a they're, captain. They're pretty much all the same. You know, a lot of people go through their whole life at the rodeo and they're just happy being a committee person. They don't mm -hmm. want any more role. This is what they love. But once you start kind of getting in leadership, most of the most of them might have a assistant captain. Mm -hmm. And then there's a captain. And then there's a vice chairman. And I believe if you're on a committee that's over maybe 500 members, you could have divisional vice chairman. And that's what we have uh, on the yeah, international yeah. Okay. because it's got to think so many different. So many and um, but it all kind of funnels up. And you've been and chairman of Trailblazers. Been chairman of chair, yes, and I've been vice chairman on um, special children's committee, which is a wonderful yes. committee, and um, international. And, okay. So I'm kind of a little bit out to pasture. No, but you're a director. <laughs> director. So and, how uh, many directors are there? Oh gosh, that's a good question. There's several. Forty. Oh no, oh, there's a few more. hundred. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's and so um, and that's been a really big honor. But I love going out there now. Um, like I just go out there and I'm, I'm, I handle Facebook for international, you know, so that's, you know, I still like to be involved, but I don't have a title on any of them. And I, I'm still very involved with, with trailblazers. And, um, and, and do you do the grand entry as a director every time? You, you know what, on grand entry, um, you that's can. That's the, that's the, mm -hmm. uh, 
promenade exactly. around in the beginning. It's like the parade yes. at the very beginning of the rodeo. It is, and it's really fun. And so directors can go, and if you have your own horse, bring your own horse, or you can rent a horse. And I'm not doing it this year. I've done it the other uh -huh. years, um, and I've shared a horse with another lady director, and um, because it's every night, just about. Oh, yeah. yeah so, and that happens at. 5.30, 6 Yeah, you have to be kind of ready. I think the rodeo begins at 6.45, so you have to be ready on the horse. And um, yeah. and I asked Zane if she had her parade wave down. Oh, Zane knows that. She has <laughs> got that parade wave down. Zane's our first lady of she's the rodeo. She's the first lady. And oh she's my riding goodness. all those, she's riding all these children's books, and I think it's great. And uh, I think her new one's Abella Goes to the Rodeo. And I, yes. and I said, well, she knows what to she write knows on. That. She knows that one. So, um, yeah, and then it's funny when you talk about rodeo, I'm sure you, you know this, but um, so many times I'm out with my friends that, and we all sit and we look at each other. We would have never known each other if we'd never met during a rodeo. It's incredible. It, it, our paths would have never crossed for whatever reason. And, um, and I've made some of my best lifelong friends at the mm -hmm. rodeo. And it's just, it's incredible what that institution has given Back, I mean, we, we, I guess we're giving something to to mm -hmm. that, but I get I think all of us get way more out of it, and you don't know until you get involved with it. It's just so are there still steer starlets, or is that over? The steer starlets, um, we'd been doing the bowling for beef for 25 years, or so mm -hmm. and given millions of dollars to the through to the rodeo, but last year or two years ago, it was kind of decided that there were so many now um, fundraisers that they kind of needed to roll it back a little bit and so now the um the steer starlets now are on this they're on the steer auction but now they're a, a, a team selling steers and they oh yeah so it's kind of it's it's i think with rodeo and even with the hive and when you and you know when you have your own business sometimes things need to be phased out and then you kind of grow or whatever and sometimes it's the pivot it, it's the pivot and sometimes you can get very upset about things and realize well, wait, there's a whole nother opportunity. When we started Because you have to give up something to grab something else. You got, you've got it. And what happened with Trailblazers, we were doing ladies' night out on Thursday night. And that was kind of, um, had evolved where it was kind of like it couldn't go any further. Mm -hmm. And that's why we started um, s some of these other initiatives. But if we'd kept with ladies' night out and kept with it the way it was going, we probably wouldn't have done as much for the literacy deal and now it's just like that just blew up in a whole nother door and it's been amazing and i think covid kind of gave us time to stop mm -hmm. and think and reassess mm -hmm. because we were just going so fast that we yes. were just going through the motions with so many things exactly. but um in interviewing people and talking about authenticity and living the most authentic mm -hmm. life and coming alive i think that's one of the main things that I love to learn is that, like you gotta do the work, you gotta show up, show you gotta up. be in it, but when is it time to change? Yes. I think that's the hardest thing. Is there like a gut feeling you get? When, when do you say, I've been committed to this so long and maybe it needs to, like when do you know? I think it's, I think, okay, we've all had jobs, let's say, that's the eight to five job. Okay? Uh -huh. and you, sometimes you just can't quit one of those because that's your lifeblood or whatever. But when it comes to volunteering and things, your side hustle, I think it comes when it's not any fun anymore. 
absolutely. Absolutely. Like when uh, it just is more work. It's not and, worth it, yeah. yeah. And, and, and in your life, things change and everything. You, you might get married, you might have a baby, you move away, things change. And um, you have to be able to, to pivot. And, um, but once it gets to where it's not fun and your heart's not into it, especially when you volunteer, it's tough to get out there because you have to find that time mm-hmm. to carve out of your life to give back. And as much as you, you love giving back, you still have to enjoy that time. Maybe the you ride, find, the journey. Yeah, and it might be a, where now you, you move on to something else and start doing your time for another charity or whatever it mm-hmm. is. So. And I used to look back and say, God, I wasted time doing that. But also, as I've aged, I realized that everything brought me to where I am. Yep, it, you're so exactly right. That you couldn't have passed up any of those or it wouldn't be what it is now. Yes, yes. One of my, um, so we've always been city people. Yes. We've been city people. <laughs> and um, I went out when I turned 50, I said, I want a horse. Mm-hmm. You know, life's too short. I want a horse. And I went out and got a horse. And it's like, where do you keep this horse? Especially in the city. It's in far to city. go ride. and Exactly. So I found a place to keep the horse. And then, um, and that ended up not being a very, very good deal. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, this was so convenient to my house. Now where am I going to go find? I had to move the horse. And um, found a place kind of out near Fulshire. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, my husband, who's city too, I was going back and forth, you know, seeing the horse. And then next thing you know, he's going out there with me. And then next thing you know, we're buying some 20 acres on full sh- in Fulshire. And it's all because what, and because I kind of got kicked out of the barn at this other place. I thought it was devastating. What am I going to do? It was an opportunity. It was an opportunity. My horse was more of a Western paint horse and they did more English horses. And I was so upset and crying. How like, dare they? How dare they? How am, what am I going to do? I can't put this horse in my backyard and everything seemed to be far away. And I look back, that was the was best thing that ever happened to me. So you kind of just have to move forward. And, and George and I joke about it's the horse that brought us out there. And, I love um, it. Because you were following your passion and what you were, what was truly what you loved, what made you come alive. Mm-hmm. What And it's just so great. And I Unfortunately, we are, our time's we, up. Well, I love the authentic life that you're doing because it's all about that, isn't it? It so. is, and I just, I mean, I know it's not true, but I just feel like people who are raising livestock and living um, a more simple life, I feel like yes. they're more authentic. I feel like I they, so they're not, um, I feel like when we're in the city, we kind of worry about what other people think or what the expectations are. Yeah. And, People will say, I can't believe you went to A&M. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't really a fashion place. I mean, it is more now, yeah, certainly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, but I just love how real people mm-hmm. were and how they knew what mattered to them. Mm-hmm. And they were able to follow that and to be that. Yeah. And I think that that's such a key in living our best life and coming alive is knowing what matters to us and being able to do it. And I and think you have to get a little dirt on your shoes every once girl, in a while. you know. Maybe you, even step in a little poop. That is exactly <laughs> right. So um, come out to the radio. You <laughs> have exactly. a lot of opportunity for that. that. <laughs> well, you are absolutely living no, your authentic life. You, right? So are you. So, um. so thank you so much. Guys, Houston Livestock Show and Radio, you got to do it. 
It's rodeo cook-off this weekend. Oh, yes, that's going to be fun. And then um, you can go out. You don't have to worry about your outfits, but if you see me, I'll be looking very fashionable. Oh, and I'm borrowing one, of your, I one know. of your belts here. And so. we're showing all the rodeo looks on our stories, and we're living our best life. So y'all have a great week until we meet again.